The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 115 The Trap and the Trigger 1886 May 4th, the canyon south of Ilium, Colorado. Is this going to work? Penthesilia asked Mary. Cassandra said it'll work. The cord is attached to a lever. The lever is attached to a spring. The spring is attached to a hammer, and the hammer is aimed at the cap of a bullet casing. Theoretically speaking, that should ignite the keg of powder beneath it. It's all buried in the dirt, so you won't be able to see it until it goes off. Now we just have to wait for the Baron's men to come through the canyon, and then... Boom, Mary explained. It's not going to work, Angelica said from behind them. I know you two put a lot of stock in what that girl says, but this seems a little complicated. Why don't we just blow the canyon now? We don't have enough powder to blow up the canyon. If we use it too early, then the dust will clear, and we'll just ride through. But if we wait for them... We can take some of them out with it. Maybe scare the horses into scattering, Penthesilia argued. Okay, here's your chance. They're on their way, Angelica said as she handed a spyglass over to Penthesilia. The caravan of men had two wagons with them. The wagons were loaded down with supplies covered with canvas tarps. Penthesilia could not tell what was in each cart. Agamemnon led the men and Penthesilia had her target. All right, we're going to take out that pretentious ass right up front. I bet you anything he's the Baron, she said. How do you know? asked Mary. Gold watch chain, gold buttons, stupid beard. It's like someone made an older, fatter version of William. Penthesilia looked through the spyglass and held up her hand waiting for Agamemnon to ride over the barrel of gunpowder buried beneath the sand. All right... Just a little closer, a little closer, now, Penthesilia commanded. Mary pulled the cord. Nothing happened. Penthesilia grabbed the cord and pulled again. Still nothing. I told you, there are too many elements in this idiotic thing. Just one little piece goes wrong and it doesn't fucking work, Angelica said. Agamemnon rode on. Passing the hidden powder keg, his men followed all trampling the dirt, oblivious to the failed trap. Penthesilia gave up. Fine. Let's just go down to the bar. We can lend a hand there. She began to walk away towards the horses when she heard the sound of gunpowder igniting. It didn't explode. It lit on fire, and beneath one of the carts passing over, a huge red plume of fire burned straight up under the wheels. The men stopped, turning to see the commotion as they backed away from the flaming pyre. Suddenly there were explosions. The gunpowder and ammunition inside the cart began to ignite and go off. Bullets fired wild from the boxes they were stored in. The cart exploded, sending shards of wood and pieces of rifles and other weapons. Oh, shit! Angelica exclaimed. Yeah! Oh, shit! Mary added as she whipped the reins and rode towards the bar. 
They're coming! Cassandra yelled through the bar as she grabbed a rifle and ran to the window. We're going to need to lay down cover fire till they're safely inside, she explained. Who's coming? Paris asked as she took her place at one of the windows. Celia, of course, Cassandra answered. Here they are. Alice, cover the door. Paris began to fire through her window. Penthesilia and Mary were riding fast, Angelica in the cart behind them. They stopped the cart in front of the double doors leading to the saloon. Letting their own horses go, Mary and Celia jumped down, undid the rigging on the cart, and let those horses go as well. Get the supplies! Cassandra yelled to Hector. You heard her, boys! Hector yelled to his younger brothers, who all lined up and began to unload the cart. As Paris, Cassandra, and Alice continued to fire across the street, keeping the cavalry and the Pinkertons from getting a clear shot as they brought the supplies into the bar. Once the cart was empty, Celia began to rock it back and forth, trying to set it on its side. Hector grabbed it with one hand and finished the job, leaving the cart three feet in front of the entrance, blocking the front door from view. Retreating back into the bar, Hector turned to Celia and asked, Why'd we do that? The bottom is armored. It should protect the entrance from stray bullets. All right, then, Hector smiled. Cassandra grabbed an apple from one of the barrels brought in from the cart and began to eat it. Paris rushed over to Celia and gave her a hug. Damn it, Celia, I thought you were going to the hunting camp. And abandoned my little sister? <laughs> Hell no. We have to see this through together. She laughed as Paris took a step back and looked at her. You're wearing pants? Paris asked. You're wearing pants? Celia responded. I'm always wearing pants. This is the first time I've ever seen you not in your dress. <sighs> Don't make a big thing of it. I just thought if I was going to join the battle, I'd be dressed properly for it. How do they feel? Weird. They just feel weird. Angelica stepped up to the bar. Jelly! Damn, it's good to see you. Where have you been? Colin asked as he put a glass of whiskey on the counter for her. Yeah, where have you been? She heard Poe ask from behind her. She turned to him, whiskey in hand, drank it down, and then put it back on the bar before she answered. What would you care? I care. I've been looking everywhere for you. I searched through Denver and went up to Boulder. But you just disappeared. You never even said goodbye. Boulder? Is that where you met Olivia? Oh, Angelica, don't do this. Do what? I didn't do anything. You have, though. Let's see. What did you do? There was Sophia, Charlotte, Ava, or was it Eva? I could never quite remember. It was Allie. But this isn't about that. What is it about, Poe? What has it ever been about? Angelica... I didn't know where you'd gone. I looked everywhere for you. I was worried. I missed you. I love you. You don't love me. If you loved me, you wouldn't hurt me. You wouldn't betray me every time I'm not in the room. You want to play around, Poe? Then have fun. You don't need me holding you back. I left. I gave you the space to play around. You want to know where I was? I went where you couldn't follow. Because I didn't want you to find me. Angelica, 
Those girls, they didn't mean anything to me. You stop that. You stop that right there. It took me a long time to realize it wasn't their fault. It took me a long time to stop trying to find them, hunt them down and kick their ass. It took me a long time to realize the ass I should be kicking is yours. Now, we don't have a ring, but if you're ready to take that ass kicking, I'm more than ready to put you on the floor. So I want you to stop right there. Stop trying to tell me that they meant nothing to you. Don't you see? If they meant nothing to you, then I meant even less. And if you take one step to try to shift blame to them, if you say one more word about how none of this is your fault, you will find yourself on that floor. Angelica pushed past him and began to walk away. Poe looked down at his feet and took a deep breath. Alan walked up silently next to him and handed him his guitar. Poe smiled as he slipped the strap over his neck and began to slowly pluck on the strings. Angelica stopped. Alan walked around to the piano and sat down. Opening the top, he began to join Poe, plucking out the slow Spanish love song. Stop that, Angelica said, but with less conviction than she had before. Stop what? Poe asked. Stop playing the guitar. You like it when I play the guitar, Poe continued. That's cheating, she said. You're right. I cheated. Poe continued to play the guitar as he knelt down, her back still to him. I was stupid. You gave me your heart when I was too young to appreciate it. I was a child, and to me it was a toy, so when others offered me the same, I didn't know what I would lose if I wasn't strong enough to say no. And I wasn't. I was weak, foolish, and young. I hurt the person I should have protected. I broke the most precious gift I would ever have received. And I don't deserve your forgiveness. Poe stopped talking, but continued to play the guitar, with Alan accompanying him on the piano. Angelica looked over at Paris, standing by the door, next to Penthesilia. Paris shook her head back and forth slowly. No, Paris was saying silently. Angelica took a breath and turned around to face Poe. You don't deserve forgiveness. Because you have not asked for forgiveness. Poe looked up into her eyes as he continued to play the guitar. Angelica took a step back, but somehow she could not look away. She felt for a moment as if she had stepped into a trap. Forgive me. My heart is yours. Forgive me, and my life is yours. I swear to you, on the guitar I carry, I promise to you, with every note I play, I will never hurt you again. I will never take your love for granted. I will treasure it and honor it. As long as I walk this earth, there will never be anyone but you. Just, please, end my torment and tell me you forgive me. Damn it, Poe. Fuck off, Angelica meant to say. Dry up, grow up, shut up, or no. Would have also worked. But what she found herself saying was, I forgive you. Alan smiled as he continued to play the piano. 
Paris threw up her hands in frustration and turned around to look out the window at the cavalry across the street. Poe stood, shifting the guitar behind him. He pulled Angelica into a kiss, bringing her body against his as their lips met. Don't worry, Cassandra said to Paris as she stared out the window. He'll keep his word this time. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't know my brother. No, but I do know Angelica, and I promised her if he doesn't, I will shoot him for her. Cassandra and Paris laughed. Wait, she was planning to take him back before she came? She knew there was a possibility that if she was in the same room with him, he would talk her into it, but she wanted to help, so we made this deal before we left the hunting camp. <laughs> well then, count me in. If he cheats on her this time, we'll both shoot him. Deal. Cassandra and Paris shook hands on it. Agamemnon rode through the streets of Ilium. Behind him were the cavalry officers who had come with reinforcements and supplies, the white overseers from the railroad camp, and a cart full of food. He dismounted and entered the railroad station. Achilles followed, ducking as he entered to stand behind Agamemnon. Ajax looked up. He had been treating the wounded cavalry soldier. Two of the three men injured the day before were dead, but he had managed to keep one of them alive, although the man was unconscious and was running a fever. Philocides sat in a chair in the corner, half asleep. Get your men together. We're going to take the bar, Agamemnon demanded. Ajax looked up in confusion. Philocides woke up, but didn't sit up. Closing his head sideways, he watched Agamemnon, his hand resting on his holster. What men? I don't have any men. You are the highest-ranking cavalry officer. The cavalry here are all under your command. Get them together. Prepare them to charge. I want to end this now. Those aren't my men, and I don't have time to charge into battle. I'm trying to save this man's life, Ajax explained, as he set his hands protectively on the table where the wounded soldier lay unconscious. Are you not, Ajax, captain of the cavalry? Are you not the hero of the West? My wife has been kidnapped. Oscar Rightway is being held prisoner. Take your men and get them back. That's what a hero does. Stop that. Philocides stood from his chair, his hand now resting solidly on the handle of his gun set into his holster. No one's doing anything so foolish. Achilles stepped between Agamemnon and Philocides. His towering height blocking Agamemnon from Philocides' line of sight. Mr. Boland, I don't think I asked for your opinion, and I don't need your interference. If you're not going to help, I would appreciate you stayed quiet. You don't scare me. But what does scare me is none of you seem to understand the danger you're in. You're like children playing games on the edge of a cliff. There aren't enough of them to be a threat. We outnumber them ten to one, Agamemnon insisted. You got them backed into a corner, surrounded. They have no choice but to fight to the last man, and believe me, they will. You could have them outnumbered a hundred to one, and it wouldn't matter. The Whiskey Girl and Cassandra will kill half your men before they can even hit that front door. I think you overestimate the ability of a handful of little girls. It doesn't matter how small they are. Their bullets are the same size. 
Philocedes shook his head. Agamemnon turned away from him and faced Ajax. Captain Ajax, gather your men and bring back my wife. I said no. Philocedes pushed past Achilles. I'm not going to let him do any such thing. I'm not going to let him throw his life away for your stupid wife. I lived with these girls. I know how dangerous they are, and you're the one not listening to me. Listen to who? The Carson City Viper? The man who failed to kill the Reaper? The liar who could never back up any claim? Agamemnon laughed. Philocedes pulled his gun. It was in his hand, cocked and ready to fire, pointed at Agamemnon's chest before anyone could take a breath. Whether I killed the Reaper or not, it doesn't matter. I have stood down and outdrew any man who dared face me. I have held the title of fastest gun in the West. You want to see what you're up against? You want to see who you're truly facing? Philocedes put his gun back into his holster and walked towards the door. He stepped out of the railroad station. Everyone watched him as he walked to the center of the street. He stood quiet for a moment, then called out. This is it, whiskey girl. I'm calling you out. Paris ran to the window and looked out at the street. Penthesilia watched through the other window to see for herself. Whiskey girl, it's time. Just me and you. Viper, have you lost your goddamn mind? Paris yelled from her window. I don't have time to play games with you. No game this time. Just you and me. We'll find out who's the fastest. You're the fastest. You win. Congratulations. You're the fastest gun in the West. Have fun. Go get a drink. But I'm not stepping out into that street to fight you. You were right. I never did get to draw down the Reaper. I never did get to see who would win between the two of us. Apparently, that wasn't even him in the bank anyways. But you're here. He taught you everything he knew. Now it's time to show everyone what would have happened. I need you to show them what the Reaper was truly capable of. It's time we faced each other draw for draw, bullet for bullet. This is stupid, Viper. The Reaper would never have stepped out into that street. The Reaper would have killed you from here. I could kill you from here. You're standing in the open, for God's sakes, with your gun in your holster. Cassandra has her rifle already aimed at you. I wouldn't even need to draw. All I'd have to do is nod to her and you'd be dead. Why would you want that? Celia, send out your girl. Remember, Celia, not all the Amazons were women. Send your girl out. We have to do this. Paris turned to look at Penthesilia. She held her head down. She took a deep breath and then turned to look up at Paris. Do it, she ordered. Celia, this is foolish. Why? I don't know, but he has a plan. I trust him. You trust him? This feels like a trap. I know, but a trap for who? He made a deal with us about Ajax. He's been helping us, and that's what he meant by not all the Amazons were women. He's telling me he's on our side. Celia, I can't take the chance that this isn't real. I can't go out there with blanks this time. I can't let him win. If I step out into that street, I'm going to shoot him. I know. 
I don't know what his plan is, but do it. He wants to see who you are. Then show him who you are. Paris pulled from her hip the single-action army pistol. She quickly opened its chamber, checked the ammunition, closed it again, and put it back in its holster. She straightened her shirt, and then stepped out of the bar into the street. Philocides watched her as she walked to stand twenty feet from him. He crouched down just slightly, his hand on his holster. She set her right hand on her holster, and bent her knees down, and pointed at him with her left hand. They stood silent and still. Well, go ahead, draw, Philocides told her. Don't you want to count to three? Go ahead, if that'll make you feel better. Count to three. This is your game, Viper. You count. I'm not counting. We're not going to just stand here all day. For God's sakes, Viper, either draw your weapon or let's both go into the bar and get some lunch. My knees are going to hurt after a while if we keep this up. We could both count at the same time. No. I told you, I got nothing to do with this. You want to play this game? You play it. You drug me out here to do the one thing I swore I never would. Now draw your goddamn gun, Viper. Celia! Philocides called to the bar. What? Celia called back from a hidden position behind the cart that blocked the door. Count to three! Philocides told her. Nope! She yelled back. God damn it, Celia! Do you have a hat? Yeah! She answered. Then throw it into the street! Philocides kept his hand at his holster, staring at Paris. She did not move from her ready position. The moment the hat hits the ground, we draw. Agreed? Agreed. Paris called back. Fuck! Penthesilia mumbled as she took her hat off. Without looking, she threw it over the cart and into the street. The wind caught it for a moment and held it in the air. Then it just seemed to let go, and the hat fell, hitting the dirt. Philocides's hand slipped around the grip of his gun the moment the hat hit the ground. Paris fired. The men in the train station watched with amazement. From their view, she hadn't moved. She hadn't reached for her gun. Her right hand still sat on the holster of her weapon at her side. The gun she fired was in her left hand. Some said she moved so fast you couldn't see it, like the flight of a bullet. Others said she pulled the gun out of hell itself. Years later, I would find out the truth. I asked her one evening at dinner, How did you do it? Where did the gun come from? What gun? She asked me in return. When you shot Philocedes, where did the gun come from? You never moved your hand. You didn't draw. Philocedes? Do you mean the viper? You think that the viper was Philocedes? Isn't it obvious? Wait. Isn't Philocedes the man who kills Paris in the original myth? Yes. But we're uncertain of what is real and what is not real of the original myth. There are many different versions. And I have been told that in truth, we never went to Troy. So if the original Philocedes killed somebody and became a legend for killing Paris of Troy, perhaps he's a lot like the viper killing the reaper and becoming a legend for that, even though we know he never did. Oh, shit. I had no idea. 
Do you know how many times we used to play that quick-draw game with each other? And each time I tempted fate. Stop changing the subject, and just tell me, how did you do it? The gun was in my hand the whole time. You cheated? Cheated? At a game of life and death? Of course I did. I have told you many times, for you I will cheat. I will lie, I will steal, and I will kill. Keeping you safe is the most important thing to me. Also, if I went out into the street for a quick-draw contest, left my gun in my holster, and got myself killed, I would have to go to the underworld and listen to Luke lecture me for the rest of time. Philocides felt the bullet burn through him. He felt his strength leave his legs, and his body began to fall. He landed on his back in the street. He looked up at the sky and closed his eyes. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.